Welcome to Baptist Vices. This podcast is designed to engage the Baptist community in challenging thought. We hope to not just promote negative propaganda that is raised against Baptist thought, but to biblically analyze some of these thoughts and provide biblical solutions. We hope you enjoy today's program. And now your host, Dr. Steve Dameron. Thanks for tuning in to Baptist Vices. We appreciate you looking around at baptistpulpit.com and subscribing to podcasts, especially mine, because they are so awesome. But our guest today is Evangelist Calvin Allen. He has a awesome testimony, and we'll get into some of that. But our Baptist vice is the no hope syndrome. So hopefully you enjoy the podcast today. Thanks for listening to Baptist Vices, and it's a privilege to have Evangelist Calvin Allen with us. And I'm going to open up with a verse. My favorite verse on our topic is Romans 15, 13. And it says, Now the God of all hope, or the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And so our Baptist Vice is the no hope syndrome. So, Evangelist Calvin Allen, if you would introduce yourself, and then we'll get into some questions. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Um, I'm so encouraged to be here today. I've enjoyed several of the podcasts. Um, I am Calvin Allen, and I grew up in Gary, Indiana, and um, uh, first time I went to church was there, but um, I got saved in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at my home church. I'm still a part of that church 29 years later, and I went to Bible college, and um, obviously, I got saved and ended up going to the Christian school in eighth grade, graduating from there. Went to Bible college in Texas, and hmm. uh, upon the end of that, I started working at my home church for about 14 years, just under 14 years. I was on staff as a music director, um, soul winning leader, evangelism, outreach, discipleship. I did a little bit of everything, really. <laughs> Except for the except for the nursery work, yes. But, uh, right. And then the Lord the Lord led us into full time evangelism six and a half years ago. So I just celebrated. I'm um, starting uh, the twentieth year of ministry, and so that's wow. that's unbelievable. Yep. The things that the Lord has allowed me to serve Him. So Amen. That's kind of who we are. We travel most of the United States and uh, several foreign fields. I, I'm in Canada a lot as well. I'll be there in about a week and a half again, and I'm just excited to serve the Lord. Amen. So we're going to talk about this no hope syndrome, some because of your testimony. And so I was going to have you share some of your testimony and how this led hope to, as I say, dissipate in your life. And so if you'll share a little bit with that. Absolutely. So I was, I was born. uh, Many are kind of unfamiliar with my testimony. I I kind of try to fly under the radar. Yes. But, um, but my, I was born in 1981. My mother was 15 years old and she had me. Hmm. And I was born in the city of Gary, as I mentioned before, which at the time was the murder capital of the United States. I grew up pretty much with no fatherly figure in my in my home. And uh, of course, mom had you know boyfriends here and there, and and uh, we moved. We lost everything we had, and when I was about five years old. We had a fire in our house in Gary, 
and burned up everything we owned and pretty much everything we owned. And so that kind of precipitated us moving to uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so we knew a few people that lived here. One of my aunts had moved up from here and from Gary to here. And so we moved up here and, you know, just a lot of difficult times. And, you know, you can imagine being raised by a teenage mother and really with no, no, almost no gospel influence. And I had been picked up a few times. I went to a Fairhaven Baptist in, in Chesterton, Indiana there. Yeah. And I remember it because as, as strange as it seems being four years old, and I remembered exactly how the building was laid out. I hadn't, I had not been there in 31 years and I just so happened to stop by. I was on my way to Michigan to preach and I could tell them exactly how the building was laid out in 1985. Wow. And I remember the Sunday school class. I remembered where it was. I remembered because that was the first time I'd ever heard the death of Barry and resurrection story. Uh, which really, I don't know who that teacher was. She planted the seed of the gospel in my heart that day. Uh, four years old, I can still remember the flannel graph and her rolling that stone away. And so that was really the only church influence I ever had in my life was that day. And I didn't even know that my mom actually went with me. I never remembered that. And huh. uh, But she, we were talking like six months ago, and she said, hey, she said, oh, yeah, I went with you. And I was like, what? And uh, I thought, could you imagine picking up a, a 19-year-old, you know, single mom, teenage mom, and her four-year-old son, and fast forward 30-some years, and he's a gospel preacher. Amen. And so that was that was really the, the light in our lives at that time. My my uncles were, uh, half of them were very, very wicked. They were you know, in and out of prison, drugs, selling drugs, fighting, you know, um, uh, running prostitution rings. I mean, it was just, it, 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 you just imagine uh, growing up as a little boy in that situation. And and so when we moved to Milwaukee, it was a little bit different. It wasn't as dangerous, but still um, not a lot of hope there. And yeah. so growing up and, and I won't get into my full testimony. It'll, it'll take me three hours. Yes. But uh, when, when I was 17 years old, I was in a Christian school already. I got saved, baptized. Lord had already called me to preach, and I, I started preaching almost immediately after my salvation. And uh, when I was 17 years old, I, I my senior year of high school, I found out that my biological father was not my biological father. And it wasn't, you know, we none of us had a clue, but it was through some circumstances, the state of Wisconsin and so forth. And, uh, you know, so that happened and just absolutely shattered my world. Wow. And then huh. that same day, I I was sitting in church. That was a Wednesday. That same night, I was sitting in church before the service, and one of our young men ran in and, and handed me a note from my other cousin uh, that said one of my cousins had been shot in the head, and, you know, I need to pray, and he probably won't make it through the night. And so it was kind of a double whammy um, with that, and, and uh, you know, so that was another kind of major point of, you know, you can lose hope or you can have faith in the Lord. Yes. Um, another one is when we were we were having our first, uh, we were expecting our first child, and we ended up miscarrying uh, that first uh, pregnancy there. And so, you know, our hearts, of course, were broken, but the Lord really used that to help me write some songs that have really been a blessing to mm. those that have been hurting. And, yeah. and the Lord kind of um, really 
taught me a lot of things during those times, and he gave me a lot of verses. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to be on this topic here today of hope. It's, yes. it's a wonderful thing to know Christ and know the Lord and, and have hope in him. Yeah. So my, you already touched on it. So the devil, but maybe explain how the devil used some of the circumstances to beat you up. Sure. So, you know, you can look back over several of those circumstances and you can look at, you know, oftentimes when, when kids grow up in fatherless homes, there's an anger. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting that the scripture says, be angry and sin not, neither give place to the devil. Hmm. You know, it's amazing that those, it is always, I've never really heard anyone preach on that. I've used it a little bit in, in ministry and preaching and, but it's interesting how he said, don't be angry and don't give place to the devil immediately. Yeah. You know, that word topos, that, that, that topography, where you get the word topography from. Uh, and, and it's just amazing how this generation of young men that have no fathers, they're such an angry, they're such a, I can see how Satan has used and, and tried to use in my life. Uh, that, you know, I come to church sometimes and I think, well, why, why don't I have that home? Why don't I, you know, have that yep. father in my life? And, and Satan can use something like that to discourage, to try to get in there to, uh, you know, when you don't have that oversight of a father, there's so much about the father and, and verses are flooding my mind, by the way. So if I stutter, yes. that's why. Oh, that's... And, uh, but <laughs> right. the whole Ephesians chapter six, you know, uh, provoke not your children to wrath and, uh, all of those different verses on, on fatherly leadership, my son, give me thy heart, uh, and observe, let thy eyes observe to do my ways. And so there's all of these verses that I, as a father, now look at on the other side, and I see what I kind of missed. Yeah. And so Satan, I think, could have used that, and I think he did in a lot of my family uh, to discourage me. You know, Satan could use you know, the loss of, my, of that first pregnancy. And you could think, you know, here I am serving the Lord, and, you know, this has happened in my life. Yeah. Whereas I, I look at the world, and, and, you know, David said at one point, he said, you know, they look like they have nothing in, in their deaths. They have, uh, you know, they seem to be doing fine, and and uh, they seem to be prosperous. And, yes. And, he, and then he warns us, okay, when I came into the sanctuary, then I understood their end. Yep. But but up until that time, he said, man, I, I'm looking at this, and they don't seem to be punished by what they're doing. And so, you know, Satan could use something like that to, to really discourage us to say, you know, what's going on in my life? I, I've been preaching much out of John chapter 11 on Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And it made a point, the Lord made a point in the first verse, maybe the second verse, to say, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He went out of his way to say he loved them before everything proceeded. And then they said, our brother's sick. And he said, I'm going to spend a couple more days in Galilee. And, you know, and then he says, I'm glad for your sake I wasn't there. It's so much about those verses. It's like, man, they put their hope in you. They put their trust in you. And, and now they, Mary and Martha confront the Lord and they both say the same thing. You know, if you had been here, yes. our brother had not died. Yes. And uh, and so here you have this group of people and and now they've really lost hope because they said, you know, it's the fourth day. And of course, we know those that know Jewish customs tradition, the fourth day meant all hope was gone. 
Yes. And, you know, they thought, here we have put our trust in you. And Jesus, he's arguing with Martha and he says, you know, well, yeah, your brother's going to live again. And she says, oh, I know he's going to live again in the resurrection. But, and then Jesus says, no, no, I, I am the resurrection. And they, this argument ensues. But, and she even says the same thing again. I know, but I know even now, if you'd ask God, he would hear your prayer. Yes. So there was at least some bit of hope, but there was still that realization that you, you pretty much let us down. Yep. Uh, and then and then comes the greatest miracle, you know, the resurrection of Lazarus. And and I've been preaching much on that, though, because hope is something, you know, if they both said the same thing, which tells me oftentimes people that lose hope, it's not an uncommon, discouragement is not uncommon. Hurt right. is not uncommon. Right. And the same questions are not uncommon when you're going through the fire. And so I found that even myself, and so as I'm preaching on this, I will open my heart and share things that have gone on in my life, which I don't really, I really ever talk about anything yes. uh, myself when I'm preaching. But I, I'll start to share things. People relate to yes. that because they know what it's like. Yes. They have the same question. So Mary and Martha had the same question, but two different results. Yes. And here's the entire sermon, so you don't have to ever listen to it. But <laughs> yeah. but here's the difference. Martha was always in Jesus' face, but Mary was always at his feet. Hmm. If you'll notice, when he first met them in Luke chapter 11, and he went to Bethany, Mary, he said, she chose that good part because Martha was in his face saying, you know, tell her to get up. Tell her to pray with me. Um, there's things that have to be done. Yeah. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. You're coming about with so many things, but Mary has chosen that good part. She's at his feet. Yes. And then when Lazarus dies, she's at his feet again in John chapter 11. Yeah. And then in John chapter 12, before he dies, she's at his feet one more time, anointing yes. him with the precious right. ointment. She constantly stayed at his feet. And I believe that was the key to helping her get some hope. Yes. And helping her get an expectation at the end where Jesus sees her at his feet. He weeps. Every every kid's favorite Bible memory verse, John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. Yes, and he weeps, and then he raised her brother from the dead. Yes, and I think sometimes it's not our questions that bother the Lord, but sometimes our disposition or our position to say, you know, I may not understand him, but I'm going to stay at his feet. I'm going to stay humble. You know, he said he said these words, and and. Uh, he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Hmm. And my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We've got to, you know, a, a yoke is you're being under something. You are, you are being put, it's a humbling thing. And Jesus says, if you want to learn about me, you've got to get low. If you yeah. want hope, you've got to get low. Paul said this in Philippians 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Yeah. And everybody wants the power. We want, a, we want a victory. We want that resurrection. You know, We want that hope beyond the grave. But we skip the second part, and it says the fellowship of his suffering. Yes. There is, a, there is a closeness with God that you can only get when you feel hopeless. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's all over the book of Psalms. Yes. So. Well, um. We're about out of time with this one, so this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to see if maybe sometime we can do a part two 
on this subject um, as far as because uh, there there was a whole bunch of things I wanted to uh, get to and talk about. And actually, the Bible Bible has uh, solutions and it has helps. You already gave one, and so we'll just throw that out there kind of as closing, that the idea of being at the feet of Jesus is humility, and you already addressed that in the Matthew 11 passage. Uh, it's lowliness. And I think sometimes we, and, and, and you, you address this as far as the questions. There are some people that say you can't question all that. Well, when you read the book of Job, there was questions uh, that Job mm-hmm. um, offered or asked uh, of God. And, and we know by reading the book of Job that God came after him. But I, I've not personally faced what Job faced, and I'd imagine that I would have some questions. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and but, I, you know, you, all right, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, you know, even though Mary Martha had different positions and dispositions, yes. Jesus never rebuked either one. Yes, right. And I, I, I've told people often, I'll make this quick, but I've told people, I never understood the heart of Mary and Martha until last year on June 30th, my 27 year old sister went home to be with the Lord. Hmm. And I was, I was, and it was, she was having a medical procedure done and, and, uh, you know, it just, we weren't expecting, it just broke our hearts, yep. uh, as you can imagine. Yep. And I was sitting in church one day and a, and a man, an evangelist was preaching. I was at my home church and he was preaching. He was going through this passage and he barely touched the passage. But I read those words. If you had been here, our brother had not died. And I just, mm-hmm. I lost it during church yeah. because I said, I get it now. For the first time, I used to get angry with Mary and Martha and think, you know, how dare you question the Lord? But you, yeah. And here I was. Yep. And so, yeah, I, I get it. Yes. But God never rebuked them for their question. And right. I had questions. <laughs> so we, we close again. Uh, my favorite verse is that Romans 15, 13, where it says, the God of hope fill you with all joy. And then later right. he says that you may abound in hope, and he gives us a clue through the power of the Holy Ghost. And yeah. uh, I appreciate you taking time to be with us, and we will try to do a part two then of the no. I'm in. All right, the no hope syndrome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Baptist Vices. We trust you were challenged to find a biblical path for navigating through some differences within Baptist churches. Join your host, Dr. Steve Dameron, next week for another engaging podcast. May God richly bless you.